Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Error 204, the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective and genuinely nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. Today we are going to be wrapping up our series on the doctrines of grace, touching on perseverance of the saints. And then after that, we are going to get into esports a little bit. And we just have all the controversial episodes lately as far as Mark and I disagreeing, because we disagree on the the terminology of esports, not necessarily the role of it, but more of what it should be defined as. And so we'll get into that a little bit down the line, and as, as well as why it, it shouldn't be looked down upon as a form of entertainment, as it sometimes is. So that's where we're headed. But with all that off the table, or on the table, I guess, let's go ahead and get into how our weeks have been. So Mark, how's your week been going? Uh, my week's been pretty good. Uh, wrapped up my apologetics class for seminary, so that was kind of a huge sigh of relief for me. Just Mark be... is now a lover of William Lane Craig. That's definitely not the case. And we can find that out on, I don't know, we could do that. Another episode? Yeah, another episode. We we got a couple things queued up here. We do. So, so we'll have to figure would... out where we're going to go next. Yeah, that would be a good one Just to so go while it's fresh in our brain, or fresh in this my is brain. About, this is about how organized we are, you know, is where, where are we going next week? I don't know, let's find out when we record. Yeah, we'll so. figure it out next week. Um, no, we'll figure it out before then. Anyway, no, so yeah. apologetics class. Uh, finish that up. Um, just been working. It's been it's been interesting up here in Michigan. We started getting snow uh, on Thursday. I guess we got a couple inches, and then Friday there wasn't too much. Um, and then this morning we had. I woke up to about another inch. And it's still coming down right now. It's been it's been pouring down snow for a while. We're supposed to get some around three inches today, and then all of next week is supposed to snow and it's supposed to get into lake effect snow. It should be really heavy. So we're we're getting that full Michigan effect up here pretty quickly. Awesome. Yeah. We're, you know, I you told me about that yesterday, and because of that, I had a dream last night that Ashley and I came up to visit you and Lindsay, like before moving up there, and we were all going to go somewhere, and we we're like in this house. And, like, when we walked in, it was bright and sunny outside, and we, like, sat around and talked for about an hour, and we looked outside, and, like, there was snow covering the windows, and we couldn't get out of the house. And I blame me for that. I mean, so. it's not to that extreme, but it's, dude, it's intense up here. Uh, it, it's I love snow, so it's awesome. I like it, too. And uh, roads got cleared quick. Um, people don't drive like idiots. They, they know how to drive in the snow, and so they're careful. Um, yeah. I... Yeah. The only thing that makes snow better is when you have a fireplace. You have yeah. Fireplace. Yeah, we don't have a fireplace in our apartment, unfortunately. Uh, I'm pretty sure most apartments don't. That just construction-wise yeah. doesn't work that well. Yeah, most places don't. So, but, just, uh, you just got like 100 chimneys popping out of the roof. <laughs> I wonder if like maybe maybe like the third floor apartments do have fireplaces or something. I don't know. Uh, that would be the only uh, way it works, like top floor apartments. Yeah. Um, yeah, you probably have to pay a lot extra for those. Yeah, I know... I know, like, the the realty management or property management people who own this apartment complex have another couple apartment complexes that do have fireplaces, but ours, I don't think, is one of them. So, um, no, but it's we're, we're enjoying it, and it's... Just get a fire pit and put it in your, the middle of your living room. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, considering I'm not even allowed to have that thing. on the deck, or just put it inside. <laughs> right, inside they can't see it. 
Um, so no, we're, we're, we've been enjoying it and it's been, uh, been pretty, pretty good up here. So we're, um, just getting ready for Christmas stuff and we're excited to, uh, we, we had a fun time being back in Illinois with family and stuff for Thanksgiving, but we're excited to just kind of, uh, have our first Christmas as, uh, husband and wife together and we, we don't have a, commitments we don't have people around and we can just kind of enjoy our time together and uh just spend the day i luckily i don't have to work or anything and that was a kind of up in the air i might have to work a couple hours or something with the way that um on christmas day yeah on christmas day with the way our job works but part of it is or the primary reason is because i'm i'm newer and so um they're not going to have me because only one person works at a time on christmas day and it they were saying, like, in the last, like, three years, there's only been one time that anybody's had to do anything of everybody that man shifts, like, because it's 24-hour coverage. Um, my my boss is the only person who's ever had an incident come up on Christmas Day. Nobody else who's worked for those couple hours, and they just log into their computers from home and monitor everything and stuff like that, so... Isn't Christmas an international holiday, though? It is, but I... It's, like who works on Christmas Day? Well, that's the thing. There's very little being worked on on Christmas Day, but there is some like um, with it being a manufacturing company, there are production facilities and stuff that are still up, and so making sure there's no errors or anything like that. There's some Man, people I guess this that is work what on happens. Christmas Day. We start going to Red Robin on Sundays, and next thing you know, <laughs> we got you working on Christmas. <laughs> Logical oh. conclusion there. It is. Um, but I'm, I'm going to have that whole day off. So, um, Lindsay and I'll be able to just kind of spend the day together, which will be nice. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a pretty quiet week. Just the big thing was finishing up school. And now that that's done, like I've started playing some new single player games cause I don't play a lot of single player games while I'm doing classes. And so now that they're done and I'm on winter break, I'm like, man, there's a couple games I can try to get knocked out and play through and stuff. So. Um, that's been fun too, but nice. Yeah, it's been relaxing already. Just it's only been a few days since I finished up classes, and it's just it's kind of a huge sigh of relief. So it's been a good week, good week yeah, for me. How awesome. about you? Awesome. It's it's been a great week for me too. Um, I mean, my life is not that interesting. You know, work in <laughs> church is normal. Uh, we did get had a, a meeting with the youth committee, and we got the rest of the year mapped out through like August, which is when we'll, we usually go by the school year instead of the calendar year just because of the nature of how youth works and you have new students coming up in August and such. And so we got all that map, mapped out, and that was fun because I'm like, yeah, I really can't commit too much to any of these things because I don't know if I'll be here or not. So, um, Yeah, that makes makes it difficult. But, but it was good. We got that taken care of. We're getting... Getting ready to head into St. Charles with my family here in a little while, and so my side of the family and my wife and I are going to go in, and they it's it's just really cool to be down there this time of year. They have like carolers out and stuff, and St. Charles is just the place you're supposed to be at Christmas time. It's just how it is: cobblestone streets, horse-drawn carriages. It's oh yeah, it's dude. Christmassy. So oh man, if, if it snowed, it would be perfect. Like if there was snow on the ground, that would be yeah, dude. So we movie. we uh. Man, downtown Holland up here in Michigan's amazing. 
like the the Christmas decorations and all the lights and everything. And um, so their other big thing, I think I've told you about this, but downtown Holland uh, has heated streets and sidewalks. Um, they're heated from underneath, and so because they're used to getting like massive amounts of snow, um, essentially it keeps snow from piling up in in downtown, so that you can like people are able to still go shopping and store like everything's totally cleared. And so I met a guy for lunch uh, for work on Thursday after we'd had a couple inches of snow, and it was shocking. Like, you could tell there had not been a... Like, there was water, like the roads and sidewalks were damp, but none of it had actually been snow when it hit the ground because the ground was just too warm. And so it was it was really neat the way that that worked out because everywhere else has just got a good layer of snow on it, and then downtown was totally clear. So I'm curious how that works. Like, do they just run like the sewage down right next to it, so that way you know the heat from your your okay excrements <laughs> keep it warm. I was trying to think of it. Discharges. That's the word I was looking discharges. for. Discharges. <laughs> your bodily discharges. I mean, that's called recycling. You know, that's that's economical, right oh, there. Oh man. No, I don't I'm know gonna... exactly how. Like, I saw them because um, they're expanding it, and so a couple months ago, I was downtown and I could see like they had a section of. Uh, sidewalk pulled up and they were installing it looked like almost like a thermal tubing that just uh, goes up and down the sidewalk and so I'm because it's one of those things where, like it's not like they're having to heat the ground up super hot or anything it's just got to be war- warm enough to just not let snow freezing. yeah exactly yeah. so um, it's probably not super complex or anything well, but it's and I'm wondering too like how do they power that like if electricity goes down do sidewalks get snowy then like yeah, I don't know. How's that work? That's a good question. I don't know anything about it. I just know that there isn't any snow on the ground when I was you mean, down there. You mean you're not an engineer? <laughs> one of the city engineers? Uh, no. But it, it's it's a neat feature. Like it's. Do you know any so we can ask them? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> but, oh, uh, that's yeah, that is a cool feature. So anyway, yeah, got that got that coming up. Uh, have the Christmas program tomorrow night at church, so that should be fun. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, they did. A, I like the way they're doing it this year. Usually, like they just do a children's musical, but this year they're having different families who are more talented than the rest of us <laughs> um, do stuff, and so it's it's pretty cool just seeing that integration of the whole church. Sweet man, within that, that's good. So, and there's cookies afterwards. You know, cookies. Ah, uh, the real reason to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but nice. But yeah, been a good week. Um. Man, you talked about getting single-player games. i got to get back into playing some single-player games. So, again, I know we're not primarily a gaming podcast, but we both play games, and you saw my backlog the other day. Oh, dude. Yeah, if you play games, there's a new app out now from a guy that we are yes. in a Facebook group with called GG, and GG. it's awesome. Fantastic app. It's amazing. It was that app, though, that made me recognize just how atrocious my backlog <laughs> is because I had it in a list in front of my face, yeah. and it almost made me want to weep. Yeah, so it's basically so the way it works is it it's just a way to keep track of games. So like if you have games you you can go through and put down games you've beaten or games you've completed, which is like 100% games that maybe you played and don't like didn't really like, so you abandon them or uh games that you want to play. And so that that's where you get that backlog is what Luke's talking about where they're games that you either own, maybe you don't even own them yet, but they're games that you really want to play. And so I don't think it's in the backlog if you don't own it. Yeah, I that's 
he's uh, I was talking to Charles, who's the guy that made the app, and he's considering um, adding because there's a status way to like put want to play, played, beaten, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's wanting to add a second status where it's like whether or not you own the game um, to give it an yeah. ownership status in addition to the play status. So it's a really yeah, it's I a think really that neat app. Be- be more following within the backlog is what you already own because it's the backlog you own and haven't. Yeah, and that's like when I was sharing my backlog with you, my my list on the app is longer, but there's a handful of games I have marked as want to play that I don't actually own yet. And yeah, so, I know. I noticed that too when I was looking through my backlog. Like UFC three was in there. And yeah, I don't own that one yet. Man, UFC two, such a good game. <laughs> anyway, GG app. Um, if you search for it on the app store, since it's new, it's a little harder to find. The best way I've found to get it is go to ggapp.io. Yeah, that's his website, and you can that's the find the link there. And you can download it for Android or Apple. Yeah, and Android again, and iOS the, both have it. The interface is amazing. It's smooth. The, it's good. Um, just the, the the practicality of it, of being able to look through and go, oh, hey, here's here's games that I haven't played yet and I need to chew through for the backlog is very beneficial. Yeah. And also, like, there's a sense of accomplishment when you put down your list of beat games and you're like, wow, I've actually beaten quite a few games. Like, that kind of balanced out yeah. the backlog for me. Yeah, I've got so, like 130 and, games on my beaten list or something like that, so. Well, and for, I'm sure it did this for you, too. For me, it brought back a bunch of nostalgia because as I was thinking through games I've beaten, I started thinking back to, like, PS2 games. Yeah, man. And, like, games I played way back. Dude, on, I got, like, I got SNES games on there. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And so it's, it brought back a bunch of nostalgia. of like, And it made me realize, you know, I've only really claimed to be a gamer for the past, like, since college, basically. But I've basically played games as long as I can remember. Yep. Yeah, dude. So, it's awesome. But, Anyway, yeah, so there, there you go. So there's there's, a, there's our, a plug for that. Our Rico for the week. Yeah. Rico? Reco? Reco. Reco sounds, they both sound dumb. Recommendation for the week. <laughs> um, is the yeah, it's a, it's a sweet app. So, and then if, I mean, long term, he's, so Charles got it put out now. He's been working on it for a while. And now he's got a lot of features he's wanting to add. So, is he going to add, like, social features to it? Yeah, there's going to be social features. There's going to be eventually, like, he's working on building a game database. So, like, right now it's populating or pulling games from another um, database. But he's working on put to get, putting together his own. And then he's going to have, like, um, user contribution. And so people are going to be able to add their add games themselves that maybe aren't in his database um, That's awesome. He's wanting to work with indie developers so that they can put stuff in about their own games. Like he's got a lot. He's got a cool vision for the app long term, and so it's that also really like cool. I got in where I'm. I reserved my username and basically pre-ordered the elite version. Uh, which, when that goes into effect, when he has some, there's going to be some features that are like premium only. Um, it's going to be like a monthly, or it's an annual cost. Comes out to such and such a month but there is a discount for people who got in on it early so i've i'll get a discounted price for lifetime which is cool but at the same time i'm i wanted to do it too because this like this is how charles is making his living is through this app and so wanting to support him yeah. however i can because he's doing something really and, awesome and i will say as someone who didn't reserve their username just because i didn't realize that part and i was like oh no one takes crimson raven spelled more crimson spelled with an e but even so like, having seen the app so far, I'm sure whatever the full price cost of the app is, it'll be more than worth oh, it. Oh, yeah, dude. It's going to be awesome. So, 
so yeah, so check that out if you play games. Um, if you don't, it won't be as much use to you, but yeah. I, I know a decent amount of our listening base. We do have some games. gamers here, so check it out if, you, if you're interested. So, yeah, um, let's go ahead and get into Perseverance of the Saints. So this is probably the most encouraging and exciting out of all of all the doctrines of grace, and they all For build sure. up to this point, I think. Yeah, and so I, I mean, it's hard to say that because they're all so encouraging yeah. when you realize it, it's all God and it's not me, and He's holding on to me, and I have no fear. But that's again, this is the I would say the major application out of all of the other doctrines, and that's why I think it comes last. For sure. And unlike uh, unlike limited atonement and irresistible grace, we don't have to change this one, so we can just stick with two depth. Two depth, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, perseverance of the yeah. saints is huge, and it's actually like this is just something I grew up believing, and this is something too. I think that while there has been some bad explanation of it within the Southern Baptist yeah. denomination, yeah, it's also something they've been faithful to hold to. Yeah, and like so, I grew up knowing this, and it was explained to me well, I, I think, and it, it shocked me when I started hearing about people who thought you could lose your salvation. Oh yeah, because the whole the whole premise of that is. That either one, I'm the one who earned it, so I can lose it, or B, I I can do something to nullify the work of Christ on the cross. Yeah, and, exactly. And both of those are horrible, horrible errors. And so, yeah, this is this is a very important doctrine. This doctrine gives us confidence. What we have to be cautious of, and we'll get into that a little bit later, is that we have a right understanding of this doctrine because you can definitely mishandle it and misuse and misapply it. Oh, yeah. And it can give a false sense of security and it can give a false sense of, um, a false sense of honestly apathy towards certain individuals who you're like, Oh, well they're already saved because they said a prayer and so we're good. And that's where I think the breakdown comes in is more of a misconception of what salvation is than the perseverance of the saints doctrine. But Anyway, before we get into all of that, let's go ahead and, and just talk about what this is. So perseverance of the saints is the doctrine that those who are saved will remain saved until the point when Christ returns and we enter in with him in glory. And so nothing is going to separate us from him. And Romans 8, people, read Romans 8. This is so <laughs> abundantly clear. Yeah, um, dude. When, when Paul launches into... What shall we say to these things? If Christ is for us, who can be against us? I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nor angels, nor rulers, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm probably butchering it, but nor principalities, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, dude. And, like, I, I have never preached a sermon where I haven't used that passage. Dude, I preached a sermon point. on solely that passage, and it was one of my favorite things to study and preach through. I'm like, oh, man, it's so awesome. Romans it 8 is, is I, I think, mean, all of it. I think it was John Piper who said that Romans 8 sums up the entirety of Scripture <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah. And it's true because you have it mm-hmm. all right there. And, and you, But that ending of nothing, absolutely nothing, is going to separate us from God once he has called us his own. Yeah. And so, like, you have people who look at, at the parable of the sower, and I know I brought this up a lot recently, but you have people who look at the parable of the sower and wrongly take from that, oh, well, no, there's people who can have faith and then they fall away or they get choked out or they get eaten up, whatever it may be. 
Um, and they say, so yeah, you can't lose your salvation. No, that's not the point of that parable. The point is there's one good soil. There's one soil that actually receives the seed and bears fruit. And and that's the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. Those who actually receive the seed of the gospel are those who are saved and they will bear fruit. And so all the way back to our very first episode again, the the faith produces works and those works are the evidence of the faith. But that faith isn't going anywhere because we've received that from God. We've received the salvation from God and so we cannot we cannot lose it, we cannot thwart it. And I think the one of the best pictures I've heard is the reason we can't lose it is because we're not the ones holding it. Yeah. So like you cannot lose my phone right now because you're in Michigan and I'm the one holding my phone. You can't lose that. I can lose it, but you can't. Same with salvation. I can't lose my salvation because I'm not the one holding on to it. I'm not the one holding on to Christ right now. Christ is the one who has a hold on me. And so is it better if I'm clinging back? Yes. And is that our response? Yes. But he's the one that's holding on to me, and I can rest assured that he's not going to lose any that are his. And again, go back to John. Was that John 6? I'm trying to remember. Uh, top of my head. I mean, here. if you're talking about Garden of Gethsemane. No, I'm, uh, there's that. I'm also talking about the one where he's saying, this is the will of my father that I should lose none of those that he has given to me. Um, that may be John 6. I was thinking um, John 10, where he says that uh, my sheep hear my voice, and starting verse 27, I, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And so there's, like you said, it's not us holding on to our salvation. It's not us that is holding us in our justified state with God. It's it's he who is doing it. It's it's the one who gives us justification, holding us. Um, that's where I was like, uh, I'm going to go back to Romans 8. But first, I think like when we're talking about perseverance of the saints, we, I think we need to define that in really um, clear terms. Because the thing that we hear a lot as Southern Baptists, the, the Southern Baptist yeah. interpretation of it is usually once saved, always saved. Which is accurate. If we have an accurate understanding, if we of have an understanding of, of what that is exactly, and and I don't know that we always do, um, and so that's, I think we take that to mean, uh, and I've seen it played out practically where it's been taken to mean like, someone was, um, baptized as a as a kid or a teenager or something or at any point in their life, they prayed the prayer at VBS. Yeah, or... they prayed the prayer. They got baptized, and then. There was never evidence in their life, and then eventually they started going somewhere else. Uh, like, they stopped going to church, they started living in sin, they started doing all these things, they became rebellious. And people basically treat it as like, well, they, they were saved, so they're they're still saved. Like, we know that they're still um, a Christian, right? And it's like, well, that's not exactly how that works. Um, and if there's no repentance before, I mean, when you get into like people that have died who were living that way and it's like, well, they never repented. They never, um, sought after God. And so that's where you, I lean towards looking at, you know, passages like, and again, you can't judge a person's heart, but, um, I mean, to an extent we can, can, we can judge them, but like we, we don't ultimately know. Um, yeah, We're, we cannot pass the final judgment, exactly. but I think, I think the whole purpose of these verses about 
Exactly. You know, those who do not bear fruit will be cast into the fire. Um, well, and I, if you I, yeah. love me, you obey my commandments. This is how we know we love him if we follow him. All of those, I think, are for the express purpose of not not going around and, and beating our brothers and sisters over the head and being like, well, you're not doing this right, so you must not be saved. Yeah. But to show evidence and an urgency when we see people like you just described who've fallen away, instead of going, oh, well, they're already saved, so I don't need to worry about it. No. That's a red yeah. flag and an urgency that's pressed upon us as our duty as Christians to share the gospel with them because all evidence points that they're not saved. Exactly. And for, I mean, first John, he says that they went out from us because they were never of us. It's not that, again, it's not that they've lost their salvation. It's that they never had it to begin with. Um, exactly. They, they never had true faith. They never truly were justified or regenerated. And so, um, yeah, it's, I think we, when we have that proper understanding, it's true that once we are saved, once we are justified, justification never leaves us. And that's Romans 8.30. Uh, you go back a little bit from where you were talking about. And Paul says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And I think that's important. Man, all where, that Calvinistic crap. What? I said, man, all that Calvinistic <laughs> crap. But it's... It's Don't not, tell Leighton Flowers. It's, oh, man. <laughs> it's not like he says, um, those whom he justified, some he glorified, right? Everyone that God has justified, God glorifies. He's faithful to complete that. He doesn't let us lose that. Um, and so I think it's important that we understand what that means. And the confidence we can have in that, like, um, it's not an instance where... Um, every time I sin, I lose my salvation and then I have to repent in order to get it back, right? Like, that's not how it works. I sin because I'm still battling with my flesh and still at war with my sin nature, but ultimately, God is the victor in that and God is the one who's justified me and he's justified me from my sin um, and no amount of sin I commit is going to remove that justification from my life right right and, and yeah and that's that's it and again i think that's the purpose of these passages of romans 8 of of one john um even the churches in revelation that we see christ's priestly prayer the garden of gethsemane all throughout scripture we see god is going to keep and hold his own yeah. But the issue comes in when we ignore that in those same passages where we see Christ saying he's going to hold his own, it's saying there's evidence of those who are his own. Yep. And so when we ignore that, it does. It gives us that false sense of, oh, well, this person saved. And I've seen so many people who will rest on that and 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 lean into that. And instead of resting on God and his sovereignty, instead of intentionally speaking the gospel into the lives of their loved ones who've fallen away. They just go, oh, well, they prayed a prayer, and so they're good. And that's a tragedy because it's a horrible injustice to those who prayed a prayer at some point but were never truly saved. Yeah. We just write them off as, oh, they're good. And you talked about practical outplaying of this. I mean, that's, I think, why a lot of times people set the bar so low because yep. of this. And so we'd mentioned, and, and I, don't, I don't think Billy Graham was trying to set the bar low. I want to throw that out there. I don't think that was his goal. No. But I think that that style of we're going to have a lot of people 
Um, and, and again, I don't want to accuse Billy Graham of this because from what I understand, he actually did try to have follow up with people and, and have follow up within local churches for wherever he did his crusades. And so I don't want to, I don't want to be bashing on him, but there's a lot of places that will say, okay, we need to get people down the aisle, say a prayer, and then it's kind of see you from there. And there's no follow up with the local church. There's no discipling going on. And so there's no one to actually follow up and say, okay, was this true repentance and true faith in Christ? Or do we still need to keep pushing these people towards Christ? Again, not that it's our responsibility to save them, but it is our responsibility to be doing all we can to present the gospel at all times. And so I, I think it's a, a very flawed understanding of this doctrine that tends to lead to that kind of, all right, check a box, say a prayer, you're good to go. Yeah. And that fire insurance mentality. Yeah. I mean, I, I even think it's it's this idea that a little bit goes into the, is it Pascal's wager? Uh, yeah. If you accept, if you accept Christ, and he's not real, you haven't lost anything. But if he is real, you've gained everything. That's not the gospel, but it's setting the bar low to say, well, just do the bare minimum, and then you're good to go. Because once saved, always saved. And so, not going to be any issues here if you're wrong. Whereas I'm like, that's in direct contrast to Paul, who says, if Christ is not real, then we should be pitied above all men. Yep. So. Well, and that's, I think you get into what, and we've mentioned it on here before, but you get into things like lordship theology here, where, like you said, it's it's treated with a fire insurance mentality. And people think that, well, we can make Jesus our Savior without necessarily um, submitting to him as Lord. And that's not biblical. I mean, that's just not straight up, it's just not biblical. And I we had a one of our professors in our undergrad said that he thinks that people who maybe didn't recognize, you know, they don't necessarily say or, like, intentionally submit to Jesus' lordship, a lot of Christians, at least internally, do recognize the lordship of Jesus. But there are some who straight up just don't. And they, they think that, well, I'm saved, but I can still do what I want because Jesus isn't my lord. Um. And that's that's just not how it works. Um, for for Jesus to be your savior, He's also your Lord. There's no, uh, you can't have one without the other. Um, Jesus doesn't allow that. I mean, He He's too great for that. He needs more than yeah. that. Um, he commands more. And he commands more than that. And that's you see Matthew seven where um, Jesus says, and this is one of the most terrifying passages in Scripture to me, uh, where. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So that's where you get into, to just because you've prayed a prayer, walked down the aisle, what have you, that doesn't save you. And it's not that people are saved by doing the will of the Father, but it's people who are saved will do the will of the Father, right? Like, yeah, it comes back to that continual um, understanding of, Works are consequence of faith. Works are a natural outpouring that will happen. There's not a yeah. time where they will not happen. Yeah. And I want to throw this out there really quick, too. If we come into these passages with the wrong understanding, and we're talking about perseverance of the saints, which is encouraging and shouldn't be terrifying, but if we come to these passages with the wrong understanding, they do become terrifying. And yeah. so, again, back to like 1 John 2, the opening. And he says, My little children, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. And you have the whole verses before saying, in chapter 1, saying, if anyone 
walks in sin and says he has fellowship with God, he's a liar. And you have that again in in 1 John 2, talking about if, if you continue in sin or if you don't do the, the will of the God or follow his commands, you're a liar. And so if you read passages like that, we can we can improperly use those or read those and say, oh, well, I have to start working harder. Yeah. Yeah, you do. But that's not the point. Because in those same passages we find, like in 1 John, but when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, yeah. Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but those of the whole world. And so we, we find passages like that where whenever it's talking about this, we we know that it's not how well we're doing that's saving us. It's our advocate with the Father. But he immediately follows that up with, this is how we know him if we follow his commandments. And so he's not saying, this is how we come to know him is by following his commandments, but this is how we know him. Yeah. And man, a lot of people give, I was thinking about this the other day as I was preparing for the, the youth lesson, a lot of people give James a lot of crap for being the one who hits on works. <laughs> John hits on it just as hard oh, as one John. For sure. Like, it's really in your face of a, hey, if you're saying you got faith and you ain't living it, then you probably don't have faith. And, I mean, that's just basic logic, though, of, of back to belief. If I believe something is true, I act upon that belief. And so, if I truly have faith in Christ, I'm acting upon that faith. I'm not just saying it. I can't just say something, and that makes it so. Yeah. But, but anyway, there, all that to say... There's encouragement in these same passages we're Absolutely. bringing up. There's yeah. encouragement in our ultimate hope and rest comes from Christ. And so that's that's where we see the beauty in this doctrine in knowing that he is going to hold us through all the way to the end. And and how he does that, I mean, obviously at the cross, the atonement is the ultimate fashion in which that, that is done because he's purchased us with his, he's not going to lose us. It's, it's been paid. Yeah. But you also, we have the spirit that's been promised to us, that's there to convict and encourage and lead and guide us as we as we live. Yeah. And so that's also, I find that super encouraging too. I think that's part of this perseverance of the saints, is it's not a Christ saved you and then dusts off his hands and goes, all right, good luck, have fun, hope to see you on the other side. Yeah. It's, he saves us and then leaves a helper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jesus said, it's for my benefit, it's for your benefit that I go. Because when I go, you will receive the helper. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's to go back to the passage that I specifically said can be one of the most terrifying in Scripture. It can also be extremely encouraging, like Luke said, because when I read that passage, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, I can reflect on my life and say, am I doing the will of my Father? Am I doing the will of, of God? And if I am seeking after him, if I am obeying his commands, if I am following what he's called me to do, then I can have confidence that I'm not going to be one of those who doesn't enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to be one who says, Lord, Lord, and then is disappointed at the fact that I didn't follow him. Um, I'm not going to be told, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, right? Like, I have confidence right. because I am seeking to follow God. Because I, I as, I mean, Peter talks about in Second Peter 1, make Make sure of your calling and your election. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. it's not one of those things that it's not something that we can't know, right? Um, there's a lot of I think another misinterpretation of this is we kind of live life of, well, I hope I'm saved. I'm going to do my best, and but I can't actually know. And it's like, well, Scripture tells us that we can examine our lives and see are we seeking after God, and that's 
that's something we can figure out because God's given us his commands in scripture. God's laid it out clearly and we can know whether or not we're following that. And if we are, we can have confidence that we are of him, that we've been adopted by him, that we've been justified by him. And in that, nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to take that from us. So we have confidence walking forward in that. Yeah, definitely. And I want to, uh, I want to throw out just something really practical there if you're listening and, and you're like, man, I, I do that, and I look back, and I just I see all the sin in my life, and I mean, notice that, address that, be convicted yeah. by that, want to change. But all these passages that are talking about it, like John says, I'm writing this so you may not sin. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And all all these verses that talk about following His will or not sinning, they always come with the connotation or the the explicit direction of don't walk in this don't practice sin and so it's not a command to it is a command to be perfect but the expectation isn't that we are going to never sin because that doesn't occur until we're with christ in glory yeah and so like i was talking with the students about this i'm like if you're walking down a sidewalk and it's rained and washed mud up on the sidewalk and you step in mud as you're walking down a sidewalk you're not walking in mud you've stepped in mud you're walking on a sidewalk and and so as you look back, and, and this is like one of the most encouraging things for me, and this is what you were talking about, Mark, is when you get to look back over your life and you see, man, I was stepping in mud like every other hour. <laughs> and now it's like every two hours. Yeah. And and so you see that the amount of sin has decreased and the amount I've been pursuing God has increased. And so it's not a, you have to sit down with a with a little like legal pad and, and write down on one side how many things you've done right today yeah. and on the other side how many things you've done wrong and if the wrong outweighs the right then you're not following the will of God it's am I pursuing God and another great indicator is when I'm sinning what am I doing am I am I internalizing it am I wallowing in it am I just saying oh screw it I messed up already might as well keep going Yeah, uh, which is really bad well I mean that's what it comes out are you occur. convicted by your sin or am I convicted and am I turning to my advocate and saying, "Yeah, I, I blew this, but I know your grace covers this. Help me live better. Help me follow you. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Purge me with this and I will be clean. What are we saying when we sin? I think that's another huge indicator there. It is, yeah. So, but yeah, so that's, that is perseverance of the saints. Is there anything you want to add on that, Mark? No, I think that pretty much covers it. I think that it really, um, as believers, it should absolutely lead us lead us to um, confidence. It should it should leave us um, confident in who we are as believers and, and who God has made us into. Um, going back to the passage that you talked about in Romans eight again, go read Romans eight. Like this is all laid out throughout the entire passage, um, but. Paul says that, you know, regardless, um, he says in chapter 8, um, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him and loved us. 
through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is an amazing encouragement. That it is. no matter what, we are more than conquerors. We are... Um, and that, that Greek word there, again, I... I'm not going to try to start preaching on it because, again, I preached through this passage. And that Greek word fascinated me because it appears in Scripture once right here. Paul basically made it up. Like, I went and did research on the word, and it really has no other use outside of Paul. Um, And basically, the more than conquerors essentially is boastful victors. Like, it's, it's not that we won. It's not that Jesus won. But it's that he won so badly. Like, the enemy was defeated so terribly that there's boastful victory in Christ. Mm. Yeah. And that, and that's it. And that's what this should drive us to is that boastful victory in Christ, that overwhelming confidence that he has done it and it is finished. And I, I, two more things I want to throw out really quick before we move on to esports. And one is example of if you struggle with unbelief, if you struggle with anxiety, don't be disheartened by this podcast. Be encouraged by it. William Cooper was a man who has been a great encouragement to me as someone who has at times struggled. Um, never so much with what Christ has done, just with when, I, when I've when i messed up, I'm, I'm that arrogant that I'm like, man, I blow this so much. Am I really saved? Um, and, and thankfully a lot of that got sorted out a while back. But William Cooper was one guy looking at his life that really brought encouragement to me. Because he's a guy who throughout his whole life struggled with doubt and struggled with unbelief. And even to the point where he would say, oh yes, I believe in election, I believe in God's sovereignty, and I firmly believe I am not one of the elect. And thankfully had good friends in his life who brought correction to that. And were like, no, you, you understand the gospel, and you understand what Christ has done, and you are of the elect. Um, so don't be doubting here. But he wrote he wrote a poem that I've always found ridiculously encouraging it's called god moves in a mysterious way and i just want to read it really quick here and it says god moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will ye fearful saints fresh courage take the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. Every hour, The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. And just that, of a lot of times you know, we look at life and we look at these things, and, and we, we question question how how can this be so and the, ultimately the answer to the end of the day is because god has said it's so but we don't we don't have the capability of fully understanding what he's doing and that's the same in salvation and so you can hit a point where you sin and you mess up and you go how could god still love me how could god still want this wretch and the answer is if we're focused on ourselves and we're we're in that self-pity we're sure to err and scan his work in vain. But God has said he's loved us and he's sent his son to pay the price for us. 
and we know he's going to hold us fast to the end. Man, talk about one of the most encouraging hymns in the world, Hold Me Fast. He Will Hold Me Fast by Sovereign Grace Music. If you haven't heard that song, look it up. But knowing that Christ will hold us fast to the end. And so even in those times of struggle, in those times of anxiety, the answer is not to try to work harder and be better to cure that. The answer is to look to the one who's holding you fast and know that he's going to hold you fast to the end. So take encouragement there. And then, on a totally unrelated note, know that, like, Mark and I try to keep the podcast within a decent amount of time for you guys. And so these are snippets of these doctrines. There is so much more wealth and riches to be dug out of Absolutely. these. And, and so if you have, again, say this all the time, but if you have questions or if you want to dig deeper, feel free to ask us for resources. Feel free to ask us questions. We are by no means experts on these things, nope. but we have studied them a lot. And would be happy to discuss them and point you to guys who are a lot smarter than us. Because there's many. Just keep there are, <laughs> but just keep that in mind. There is, there is a great, um, a much greater depth to these doctrines than we have the ability to cover in a thirty forty minute time frame. So yeah. Or if you're just like, man, these guys really don't cover these that well. Let us know, and maybe we'll dedicate more time to them. Yeah. Because this is this is the important part of the podcast. This is what we are really truly passionate about. And not that we aren't passionate about the other things we talk about. But if we're going to short one end or the other, it's, we would both yeah. far rather short the nerdy side than the theological side. Yeah. So. Infinitely so more important said, than the nerdy side. Yes. But with that said, let's go ahead and transition to the nerdy side. The nerdy side. Nerd time. So. We were supposed to talk about Psych the Movie That's, on this episode. We, you, you have said we were supposed to talk about Psych the Movie. That was never... No, that's the agreement because it came out and it's the best Christmas movie ever. Oh my and goodness. I love it. And I've already watched it twice and I'll probably watch it again tonight. Because every time... Okay, you know Psych, dude. Every time I watch it, I'm catching another reference or another oh, yeah, quip it's that insane. I missed the first time through. And the amount of references to the first eight seasons within this movie... And just other things going on in general are hilarious. Like, because you probably didn't know this anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and, and share this part for you. Because um, I don't think it's too spoilery. If it is, you can be mad at me. <laughs> but they, at one point in the movie, they're talking about um, Juliette O'Hara, who's played by Maggie Lawson. And so Sean and Gus are talking about her, and something came up about a movie, and then a Hallmark movie. And, and they're both going, oh, Jules would never do a Hallmark movie. That's funny, because right now Maggie Lawson is working on a Hallmark movie. And she has been since before production, so they threw that quip in there. Oh, and so man. just references they yeah. make to stuff like that is just awesome. And just characters like outside, like real life people and stuff that's going on in the real world. And then all the 80s references are always great, oh, too. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's a, a fantastic, fantastic movie. But I am a fanboy of Psych, so. I'm know, excited I may for not it. Be I, so the reason I haven't watched it yet is because my wife is not caught up on Psych. And so she's she's partway through season seven. We need to finish that season, watch Psych the Musical, and f- watch season eight. The issue is we don't have anything to watch it right now. Like, we don't own it. Buy it. it got taken Buy off it. of Netflix. We've Buy been it. looking at buying it. The problem is it's so stinking expensive. Like, the, the complete series is like 90 bucks. Buy it. Man, I want to. And you don't need to eat for a month. Just buy it. <laughs> so we... Uh, no. We want to pick it up, but once she gets caught up, we'll definitely be watching the movie ASAP. It's It was good. And once I do All watch totally, the movie, we will talk about it on this podcast. Again, totally unrelated, but 
just because I, I got to get this off my chest. So we're watching it's like the movie live on USA, and a commercial pops up, and it's all these people like holding like masks, like faces of celebrities in front of their faces with popsicle sticks, and they show Robin Williams, Prince, Amy Winehouse, Princess Diana, and then they show Drew Barrymore. And so, what's the first thing you think when you hear that sequence? Dead people. <laughs> when did Drew Barrymore die? <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like. What the flip? Drew Barrymore died? And everyone's like, oh, no, that's not the point of the commercial. I'm like, why would you show four dead people and then Drew Barrymore? Like, what sick, twisted person was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. We'll make a lot of people think Drew Barrymore is dead. Yeah, that's so, weird. It was, I'm like, I'm like, that was either a very brilliant prank or very, very poorly poor thought marketing. out. Yeah. So I, don't, I still don't know what the commercial is for. Because, because I was you got so stuck caught on up that. on the... See, well, then they, they, it was just poor marketing no matter what, because you don't even know what it was for. <laughs> nope, I just was trying to figure out if Drew Barrymore was dead. <laughs> but anyway, eSports, let's get into this. So e-sports. for those of you who may not know, although it's become more common, so I'm sure most of you heard of it, um, eSports is... Electronic what the sports. the name says, basically. Electronic sports. It's sports, basically video games as sports. And... There are huge things that happen about this. Like, people hear about it and they scoff and, like, oh, who would do this? And, like, you always knew people who would get made fun of when they were young. Like, you can't have a job playing video Dude, games, they Kyle. Make so much money. And the ones who are successful make a ton of money. What's really sad is most of these guys are, like, 18 and 19, and so they yep. make Mark and I look pathetic. But, um. Dude, I've never been good enough to play on an esports team. I never will be. Hey, we played with low level esports people in Siege back when it first came out. That's true. Before they but, figured out what they were doing. Yeah. It wasn't because <laughs> we were good. It's because the game was new. We were good. Yeah. We just weren't that good. We weren't that good, though. But, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, like, all sorts of games have esports, and that's actually a huge push now for game developers for multiplayer games is to try to make games that Geared can towards become esports. esports yeah. Because they can make a decent amount of money off of that if that becomes the case. Well, that became but, Rainbow Six Siege, which which you and I play a ton of, that very quickly yeah. in their development became their push, was they were going to be a game that was going to be around for a long time and participate in... Perfect. They wanted to be a competitive multiplayer game. And honestly, I think that's really good for, for a development side. Um, maybe maybe not so much for the time they have to put into it. I still haven't read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. That was recommended by Logan. Yeah, I, I, I want to read that book. And I need but. to read that. But anyway, as far as the, hey, we're going to... We're gonna tweak this game we're going to make this game better because you have to do that when you have it at a professional level like you cannot afford to have bugs you cannot afford to have imbalanced characters you have to be constantly tweaking and balancing and working on it and the other great thing is like in a in a time in video games where like dlc and microtransactions and loot boxes are all a huge hot tub and hot button topic you have ubisoft with rainbow six siege setting a great example oh yeah dude supporting a game putting out stuff to keep cash coming in, but at the same time not hindering gameplay for any players. Absolutely. So, and they've also kind of balanced out. So, if you guys haven't listened to the TRG podcast on which is the reform and microtransactions, yeah. yeah, on loot boxes and microtransactions, it's their 103rd episode. Fantastic episode. Strongly recommend that you go listen to it. And but one of the things Logan brought up in that was that he missed the days when having a certain skin or something was there because you'd earned it and rainbow has even started giving you that opportunity if you have to do a certain set of things to earn certain to cosmetics earn, yeah. in the game skins or charms and so or they've, 
they've balanced that really well, I think, of, yeah, you can pay for some cosmetics, some you can earn in-game, and then some you actually just have to earn by playing well. Yeah. So, and I mean, none of them are, like, stupid hard achievements. No, they're not. But some of them are... Some of them are more difficult than others, and you have to be at least a decent player to earn them. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot that you've earned that I haven't just because I'm not willing to put the time <laughs> into it. But yeah, I like playing the people I like to play. I don't I don't care about that stuff. See, that's what I like but, is they do the the different challenges where you have to play certain operators because it makes me play people that I don't I wouldn't normally play, and so it's made me I think a more well-rounded player in that sense. Like, from a competitive yeah. perspective, if I get into ranked in that game, like. Typically, I rank, like, my rank generally is Platinum. Um, I've never ranked Diamond. Oh, Mr. Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> Which is high, like, for, for those of you who don't understand. Rose or Diamond, like, Platinum's under them, and then you get down to Gold level, which is where I am. Yeah, Diamond, Platinum, pr- uh, Gold, Silver, Bronze, Copper. But, yeah, uh, Diamond, like, there's not a person in Pro League that doesn't play Diamond. Um, and I've never, I've never gotten to Diamond, but I play platinum which is decent i've Although, i've gotten in matches with pro players when when you get high diamond you end up or high platinum, platinum. you play with diamonds which kind of sucks for me because that's <laughs> that's where i get wrecked really bad <laughs> but yeah i will also say i've never actually taken the time to try to grind my rank up in in siege mainly because every time i start like i have a few bad games out the start and i start losing ranks and i'm like yeah nope i'm stopping them on my head yeah so <laughs> but anyway but esports. esports, so it's, yeah. it's electronic sports is a huge thing. They actually like Dota Two, which is a game I love. Um, a couple years back, rented out the Lakers Stadium and had that for their international. They go around different places, but like there are football and baseball. Well, not baseball so much, but like football, hockey stadiums, um, just like concert venues that are rented out and used for these events. And they sell and out. People go to them. Millions of they people do. go. Like. And the prize pools on them are ridiculous. Like, the, the Dota 2 one was a $25 million prize pool oh, yeah. this year. And that gets divided up between the players. So you're talking about a team of five, five people. Guys. That's $5 million a piece. Well, it's, that's, the 25 is divvied up between the top three teams as well. Oh, okay. So I think, like, the, the number one team got $16 million. So still, oh, yeah, 2 point something million a piece they're making is not millions of a bad dollars. year. <laughs> so, and, and that's on just top for of that, one they tournament. Have sponsorships. They, yeah. You get sponsorships, you get what the team's paying you. You have other tournaments, um, like there's all you kinds other of stuff. Yeah, and so there's all there's all sorts of yeah, things they make, going to these guys players are definitely make not hurting. And esports. They do. But anyway, that leads to a lot of people are like, really, why are they getting paid so much, or why would people go to pay and watch someone else play a game? Same reason Which, people go and watch pay to watch somebody play football or baseball or basketball or any other sport. Exactly. And so, like, I remember, like, what... Uh, 2016 when the Olympics were on, all my friends were watching the Olympics, and I'm watching the Dota 2 International oh, yeah, on my dude. phone. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't care about the Olympics. I'm not a sportsy guy. I'm going to watch this because I love it. And I remember a couple of my friends were like, wow, you're way nerdier than we thought. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, as far as an entertainment thing, I think it, it should not get the score any guess. Oh, no. Because it is viable. There is an, an, an immense amount of skill that goes into this. And so people are like, oh, you're just playing a game. What... You're just playing just a game jealousy. when you're playing a sport. <laughs> like, I think it's jealousy because a lot of those people who say that they can't play on that level. Yeah. So, but, um, and I do think there is probably something to be said for the misplaced emphasis on entertainment, but that goes across the board to fo- what football yeah. players, what basketball players are getting paid. I don't necessarily think the esports guys should be making as much as they make for what they do, but 
at the same time, I, I do try to give the caveat whenever I say that, like, people rag on these guys. It's just a game. All of those guys, basketball, baseball, the esports guys, they put in so oh, much yeah. work. They take it seriously. And so much practice. So, again, is, is the value on entertainment a little off? Probably. But these guys work hard. It's not like they just goof off all week yeah. and then show up to a tournament and do good. Like, they're playing eight, nine hours a day. I mean, it's how they, they're going to need all this money living. for their eyes. It is their job. Yeah. And they're going to need all this money for their eyeballs down the road. <laughs> for and sure. And their, their carpal tunnel. But, oh. But anyway, so as, as far as that goes, I think it, it's very viable. Where Mark and I disagree, <laughs> where we disagree, is the, the term esports. I do not think it should be called a sport. Mark thinks that's an okay term. I, Let me yeah. read the definition of the word sport. An activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Now, I'd like to read the um, quotation sentence for this one because I find it funny. <laughs> we did a lot of sports. We did lots of sports. <laughs> but anyway, um, we did all the sports. My my issue with it is because it has an activity involving physical exertion and skill. If it was an activity involving skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment, I'd be fine. Sure. And the I, physical yeah. exertion is where I get hung up. And I, I would agree. Like, in that definition of sports, I think I would agree with you. Um, at least to an extent. So now you're trying to redefine the word sport? Well, I, I mean... I, I think even that better if you got into the, the history Woodster. if you got into the history of what sport like sport something like esports was never on the radar for whoever came up with this definition um but when I, when I see, right like, but I don't think we need to redefine the word I think we have a new genre I don't think we get to redefine a genre I think we insert a new one okay well and that's so I come down to what 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 has it taken in the past for me to consider something a sport. So here is chess a sport. Well, here's my question: Is cheerleading a sport? Is marching there is is marching band a sport? They have physical activity. They are competing. So you would consider them a sport because most people wouldn't put them in the category of sports. Uh, by the definition of a sport, an activity involving physical exertion and skill, in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Yes. Okay. I would put them in the the. I would qualify those as sports. I, now. I, I I think my favorite definition of sport is if you can smoke a cigar while doing it, it's not a sport. <laughs> that <laughs> um, was great. Shout out to Luke Soderstrom, who will probably never even hear this, but guy in college we were with, we were t- talking and someone was trying to say the ballet was a sport, and he goes, if you can smoke a cigar while doing it, it doesn't constitute as a sport. And <laughs> um, well, I, well, I will say that you probably can't smoke a cigar and do ballet well. It was a really funny comment at the time. <laughs> It, it was pretty great at the time. And even then, though, I'd say, like, unless it's some sort of competition, ballet is not a sport. If you're competing, then yes. Okay. But it, you have to have competition as well as the physical exertion and skill. See, yeah, I I guess I can agree with you on that. My, I've always looked at a sport as, like, it's something that requires skill. It's something that generally... It's just a sport. It's competition. Um, there is... There's a scoring system. There's offense and defense. There's like it's done for entertainment. There's there's a lot of things that I think go into it beyond physical. Yeah, I think offense and defense. You're putting too much in there. And if you can put all those qualifiers in there, then why are you trying to take one out? That's fair. That's fair. 
So I, is chess yeah. a sport? Would you consider chess a sport? Is chess a sport? I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. See, I would again say no because it's extreme skill, but and mental exertion, but no physical exertion. Well, okay. Let's get technical. There is physical exertion on all of these. Okay, things. you have to move your hand. You have to move your. Okay, you do. When I am, oh, I'm trying to think of something good. That's that's not exertion. That's physical movement. There's a difference in exertion and movement. Exertion implies strain or stress. Have you? Ever, you've watched esports, right? Yes. Those dudes get sweaty. Mental exertion. You sweat from mental exertion. Yeah, dude. Have you played? Like, you've played games, you know how it is, like, when you're in Siege and you're 1v5 and you pull it <laughs> off and your heart is pounding and you're dripping sweat. That wasn't because you started moving your hand all over the place. But that I did, because though. you were, you may have, but not to the <laughs> point of causing yourself to perspire. You were perspiring because of the mental exertion. Okay. Mental mental and emotional exertion causes physical reactions. That's fair. I guess I can I can get that. Now now that I've won the argument, I'm actually going to undo it, because I didn't agree with that when I came into this. I just didn't want to tell you that. Okay. Um, talking with Andrew Douglas, our Mark and I's old boss, still my boss, at, or manager, I guess, at Missouri. That would make him your boss. <laughs> yeah. So, who is also the esports coach. of Legends yeah. coach, the esports coach there. We were talking about this, because I was telling him it was going to be on the podcast, and he brought up that... The difference between chess and esports is in chess, how you move the piece doesn't affect the outcome. Whereas in esports, the physical exertion that you're doing does have a direct effect on the outcome. So you can mentally know how to play chess and you just have to move a piece. Yeah. I mentally know exactly what I need to do when I'm playing Siege or Dota, but I don't always execute it yeah. because I'll miss it. That's where the skill comes in. I'll... Yeah. Right. And so. But it's a combination. Like, there is physical exertion going into that skill. Whereas chess, it's all mental skill. So on that standard, I do think I'm okay with qualifying it as a sport. Cool. I just wanted to prove (laughs) that I was right before I admitted I was wrong. You just wanted to prove that you could... Win an argument? Yeah, (laughs) sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) Um, No, and the, the other thing I get into, like, with people who are, like... You know, I have another question in a second, just off topic. Um, you finish this, thought. like treating it like, well, why would you take your time to watch that to do those things? I ask, like again, why would you take your time to watch any other sport? Obviously, um, I think it's in the same category. I find it entertaining. It's something that I enjoy. It's something that I understand. Um, it functions like another sport. Again, you have two teams competing. There's offense. There's defense. There's a scoring system. Like it literally functions like every other sport. There's a coach involved in almost every team. Um, you ready? This is where we hang Mark with his own rope. So in golf, there's no offense or defense. Is it a sport? Oh, sure there is. There there are offensive and defensive moves in pretty much everything. No, but there's no setup offense or defense. It's one player competing against a other player or group of, like, there's no group. It's individuals competing against individuals. But in golf, there is not offense and defense. But there can be a mentality that is offensive or defensive. In okay, the way that the In the way that I play a hole can change the way that I uh, my mentality changes the way I play a hole in golf my mentality okay, changes yes. if I'm playing if I'm if I'm doing high jump or long jump my mentality then changes in the way leading, I, I can be offensive or defensive sure. I can do the safe flip or I can, okay. I, can, oh, I, hate <laughs> I 
That's not offense and defense. Offensive mentality and defensive mentality is not an offense or a defense. I cannot get in the way of your ball as you swing. I can't come <laughs> chuck my club at your face while you're swinging. It's, that would be defense. T- that, no, that would be assault is what that would be called. <laughs> no, I think that... We're good. Like, it, mentality absolutely is offensive and defensive. It changes the way you right. play the Mentality game. Right, mentality is offensive and defensive, but it does not make it offense and defense. It changes the and way offense... you play it. Okay, if I... How do you define offense and defense? The offense is the one trying to achieve the goal. The defense is the one trying to stop them from achieving the goal. Okay. So if I'm playing football and I'm on offense, my goal is to get the football into the end zone. And you're on defense, your goal is to stop me. If I'm in golf, my goal 100% of the time is to get the ball in the hole. There is no defense. There's nobody saying, I'm trying to keep you from getting the ball in the hole. Okay. So there's no defense. I don't know. That feels like a really narrow view of offense and defense. You feel like a really narrow view of (laughs) offense and defense to me. And here we go. This is where Luke breaks into his ad hominems, which is common for him whenever (laughs) he's trying to argue a point. (laughs) Oh, That's just because I like annoying you, and I know logical fallacies do that. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, No, the other thing that I was thinking about, too, though, like... Um, cause I remember I played, um, basketball and stuff growing up as a kid and everything. And he wasn't very good. Well, that's true, but I still played it. No, you're, you're, I was, I bet you're better than I was at I basketball. Mean, I was, de- I was, I wasn't horrible, but I wasn't. Of course, I'm pretty sure worst three-year-olds are better than I am at <laughs> basketball. Um, one of the things that always was, was super common at every level I played was like telling you to go watch like. I, I will say basketball in particular, a lot of people didn't, like coaches wouldn't tell you to go watch the NBA because... Because the pros are terrible? Well, because it was just a bunch of showboating, like it was literally a just entertainment. A bunch of showboating and a bunch of illegal fouls that yeah. they, they, they didn't. With. From a technicality standpoint, the NBA has always been very bad at being, or recently has been very bad at actually following college the rules. College has been getting worse too. It has, but that was, we were always pointed towards college basketball. How are we talking about sports? Dude, I don't know. Um... <laughs> This is the ironic thing. It's like we both actually aren't horrible at sports, and we, we know yeah, about we can sports. follow. Like I, I still follow just, baseball and basketball to an extent. I've never cared about football. Um, that won't ever change. See, I, 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 I like hockey. I follow hockey. Um, My big thing is I'm already enough invested in games. Yeah. If I start watching sports, I know myself, and I would be the guy who like knows all the stats and all that crap. Oh yeah. And is following it way too closely. For sure. Because like that's how it is with UFC. Like you ask me about UFC crap and I know way too much. So I mean I, I know I know probably more than I, I should about Rainbow Six Siege players. So um That's probably true. But <laughs> with that, like one of the things as a someone who played as a kid, we were constantly told like go watch a higher level of players in the sport to get better, like learn how they play, see what they do, those kinds of things. The reason that I'm as good at Rainbow Six Siege as I am is because I watch pro league matches, I watch pro league players stream on Twitch, like I pay yeah. attention to how they play, the angles they hold, the way they move, like all these different things. The reason I got good at like speed running Super Mario 64 was because I watched speedrunners who hold like world records and saw how do they move the character, like how do they move, what is their strategies like there's a lot of different things that go into that so basically mark has no original thoughts yeah sure that's the case in no. everything but <laughs> it is accurate like there is there's and i think that does go i think this is where you're going and i just interrupt you like a jerk but i think that does go to prove more that it is it, it is a sport of the sport and I, something yeah. that should be um 
counted as such. And it's true. Like I know that in Siege, I don't watch as much as you do, but when I do watch it, I pick up tips and tricks. I pick up techniques that help. Um, I tend to watch Dota a lot more, and ironically, I'm not that great at Dota, <laughs> but still, um, the the you can tell a difference between the times when I'm actually actively watching and then playing, and the times I'm like, oh, forget it, I'm just going to play. Yep. And kind of do my own thing. So it definitely does have a bearing on it. But, yeah, so there's our thoughts on esports. Um, Team Liquid all the way for Dota. I don't even care. You don't. Yeah, I know you don't care. Um, I don't have a favorite Siege team. I don't have a favorite. There's some that are really fun to watch. Um, Elevate's fun to watch. (laughs) Tio's my favorite Siege team. Dude, Tio's so funny. (laughs) Okay, it's interesting. Like, there's some people. So there's some YouTube slash Twitch streamers who play Siege that are they don't play professionally. They don't even always play competitively. Like, they, they'll they play casual, not ranked. Sometimes. I've never watched T.O. play competitively. But they're not bad. Like, they... So, T.O. is one who... Like, he's super entertaining just because he's hilarious. Him and his friends, the way that they play the game is just funny. Hang on. T.O. is not hilarious. Floppy. <laughs> Floppy is hilarious. Floppy is what gets T.O. his views. Um, But with that, like, they'll play... There was a... um. R- reveal for a new siege dlc and so whenever they do like their esports their esl tournaments um they'll have they'll do their reveals for like the next dlc and stuff for and their finals and they'll bring pro players and youtubers or streamers to come and kind of showcase the new operators the new map the new features all those kind of things and tio's been a part of that and tio's played I've watched these streamers who aren't pro players play in a couple matches with pro players just to show the new content, and they hold their own. Like they they stand. And now, to be fair, the pro pro players usually play a little less um, intensely. They they don't they don't play to win. They play to showcase stuff and have fun. And you can tell, which is actually really cool to watch the guys who take the game very seriously because again, they're making money off of this. This is how they're making their living. But they also, like, it's fun to watch them play just for fun and to have to have fun because they're really, they're entertaining because they can do a lot of really cool stuff um, that's just fun to watch. And so I, I, I totally get the, why do people watch esports? It's just entertaining. It's the same reason I would watch any other sport. I find it entertaining. I enjoy watching it. I enjoy seeing the way that people who are very skilled can play their their sport can can show off their abilities within their skill set. Um, yeah, Sie- Siege is a blast to watch for me. I-, I love the strategy behind it as well as just the execution. Um, watching the things that can actually happen is is just a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blast. Um, and again, I I find a lot more entertainment value in that than other sports. But that's just me. If that's not your thing, that's cool. Like we just wanted to show there is validity to it. Absolutely, because there is a lot of debate going on in that recently well not recently i guess so much but past couple years there's oh for sure about it and esports has been growing massively like it's getting bigger constantly yeah it has and it's it's a good um it's not of good art but it's a cool thing to watch develop yeah like and just see how they're having to deal with things that other sports have had to deal with like um what are we going to do as far as regulations go um how are we going to set up like you have to have people on hardware that's equivalent on servers that are working how do we handle when somebody disconnects 
how do we handle forfeiting yeah. and all that kind cheating of stuff. And, and so all the cheaters that get involved in the game and things like that. Like, Yeah, so seeing him develop that has been really cool. But anyway, that's what we got for you all this week. We appreciate you all listening. Make sure if you have any, any input you want to throw our way, hit us up on error204podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at error204podcast and join our Facebook group. Again, it's error204podcast. Uh, we'll try to cut it back with the polls because we had a lot last week. But. <laughs> That's fair. It's it was crazy. Anyway, um, hit us up at those places. Don't forget to check out our merchandise. Did we get that sorted out yet, Mark, where we have a link in the show notes? Uh, yeah, so there should be – well, not in the show notes, but on our show oh, sorry, page. on our um, show page. So if you go to shows.pippa.io slash error204podcast, you should find our show. Um, there you can find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, as well as our merch store. You can uh, There's a link there that just says merch store. You can follow that, and you will end up at my wife's website, specifically in our Error 204 collection. Um, and there's lots of cool stuff there, so check it out. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. We will catch you all next week. Bye. Bye.